0: is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live
1: on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com.
0: Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman
1: and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710 and seattlesports.com. Happy Friday to everybody. Hopefully, you're having a great day out there. We've got no Dave Wyman today, but look who we've got. This is Dave Loves For Me To Say, a younger, better-looking version of Dave and Ryan Roland Smith over there. How are you, man? I'm
2: doing fantastic. Spring <laughs> training has started, baseball season. As soon as that American football, whatever it is, super, whatever it is,
1: was finished, I was like, boom, let's get going. The super game, the super <laughs> event of superness, whatever that was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Ryan's in today. We'll be talking a lot of baseball and and uh, getting into getting into spring training. Man, yeah. I cannot wait. I'm it's so excited. By the way, am I not a great guy? Am I not just the nicest, most considerate person? Michael Bumpus leaves. We use the same computer. He gets done. We sit in the same seat. And once again, he leaves his Twitter page open. <laughs> Now, the damage I could do. The damage you could the things, totally do, The yes. things I could send out from his Twitter account. Oh, yeah. And what did I do? I said, hey, Bob, you left your Twitter page You, you, you sprinted out of this studio <laughs> and said, hey,
2: I just wanted to let you know. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I could have sent out some really nice little tweets he here and messed, messed you Down up. to Washington. Uh,
1: Bob Stelton's my hero. I aspire to be as great as him one day. All kinds of neat things I could have tweeted from his account. That's right. But I didn't. I took the high road. I said, hey, Bob. You left it. I'm going to log you out right now. It's the kind of guy you are. Yeah, that's yeah. why I'm here today, helping out. <laughs> it is Friday, which means we've got mean text coming up in the five o'clock hour, and obviously you have a different target other than Wyman. You got Ryan Roland Smith. Who look at him smiling ear to ear. He loves it. My favorite. He loves. He loves a mean text. As <laughs> soon as I found
2: out that Wyman was off this weekend, again, who knows where he's at, what he's got going on. <laughs> but I was like, hey, hold on, what day of the week? Friday. Boom. Yeah, bro, I'm, I'm I'm signing up for sure. Mean, mean text, text. Yeah, nothing
1: better. <laughs> yeah, so So you guys, you have time to get creative. you got a few hours, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. So uh, go ahead, give it some thought and send those in. We'll do that in the 5 o'clock hour. At 2.30, we'll uh, continue our preview of, of prospects out there that may be of interest to the Seahawks in the upcoming draft. We'll speak with Paul Keels. He's the uh, play-by-play man for the Ohio State Buckeyes. So we'll get some insight on a few players coming out of Ohio State that could be of interest to the Seahawks. Shannon Dreyer, our Mariners insider, will join us at three o'clock today, and then George Kirby of the Mariners will join us at four o'clock today. So a lot of baseball stuff coming your way. Some really good stuff. We've been talking about the rules a lot. Mm-hmm. Just trying to. The, here's here's the one thing is it, even talking to the players, talking to broadcasters. Nobody really knows what it's going to look like at this level I know it's it's taken place in the minor leagues, and you can look at what the impact was. but when you're talking about the elite of the elite mm-hmm. functioning within this rule set, we don't know what it's going to look like i heard I heard Sam Haggerty talking about it and others talking to Paul Seawald everybody's sort of speculating like yeah it's going to be i'm going to have to cut down on my routine I'm gonna to have to do this that it's is is it what do you think? Are you of the mind that man, we're going to be watching a different game or this isn't going to be quite the big deal everybody thinks it is?
2: No, it's going to be a different game. I mean, these are significant changes when you look at them and and you know, obviously you knew this was kind of on the horizon. I think the 2020 season allowed MLB to start making some of these more drastic changes we knew leading into this about you know, cutting down the 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 time of you know, the, the time it takes to get through a game and and all these other things they wanted to implement. But these are really significant. There's a lot of time being put into researching how they can do it, and I think that the game is going to look very different this year. And I'm excited for it. I, I looking through some of these rules, I th- this excites me about 2023. It really does.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is is there one that, like, for me, if if I'm just guessing, which one's going to have the biggest impact? I think it's the, the shift. I agree. Gone. Yeah, that feels. But maybe, maybe it'll be the pitch clock. Maybe it'll be the pickoff. I mean, what do you? I, I don't remember how quickly you worked when you were pitching. Some guys, we we talked about it yesterday. Paul Seawald said he thinks he's going to have to cut about six seconds out of his he's pre-pitch slurred. routine. Yeah. Diego Castillo adjusts every part of right. his body before every pitch. If there's nobody on. What's he going to do? Because everybody's baseball is such creatures of habit and mm-hmm. routine, and let me repeat everything exactly the same way, and now you're being asked to do something totally different.
2: Yeah, I think for the bullpen, guys, and you know, I've done both. I've started games, uh, and I used to try and have, just to answer your question, I used to try and be really quick, good tempo. I used to have you know guys coming in from the field say, hey, thank you, e- early yeah. on in my career, say, hey, thank you for for moving because it keeps the, the, the fielders on their toes. When I was having success, I was quick. When I was struggling, and there was plenty of times when I was struggling, I would slow down. Yeah, naturally, because you're trying to process everything. But the bullpen guys, I think this is going to be a huge adjustment for them. And you're going to start to see, and, and especially with the shifts, with some of these rules. Looking at them, whether it be you know the, the the three picks over the first base, whether it be the shift rule where the the infielders have to have you know a foot on the dirt. Essentially, you have to essentially declare which infielders are on which side of the base, and all mm-hmm. these little things that you look at and think, well, okay, they're over-regulating the game. But you're going to start to see, and I'm curious, who's going to be the first to try and manipulate some of these rules to to push for more of a shift? Like, are you going to see someone, as soon as the pitch thrown, sort of run out to yeah. right field or whatever? And there's going to be some stuff you're going, to, you're going to think, what are they doing? But it's going to be a little bit of trial and error. I, I, I think the biggest one for me, not uh, and this is from a not from a pitching standpoint, obviously, but from from a hitter standpoint is the, the shift you said that 's going to be the biggest change it really is, and I love the fact it 's going to get back to that more contact, more balls put in play yeah. more more balls seen you know, green grass in the outfield I, I I love it
1: looking at this mariner roster who's the, it would have been the obvious answer would have been Kyle Seeger to this question, yeah, who does it impact the most? that's on the on this roster right now
2: that's a good question. I was trying to look at this before the game, and I think that when when you look at this you know the the obvious the, the low hang low hanging fruit here is who are the guys who you know try and yank the ball in certain counts? who are the guys who really struggle to hit the ball the opposite way? you know like for example, Ty France, when he is on the you can't really shift against him right then he starts to struggle and you'll start to see more more shifts against him and then he starts to hit again we saw that pick up that last month all of a sudden the sh- the, you you couldn't sh- over you play him straight up yeah. yeah but i think if you're going to look at this and which player is going to impact the most you know you look at someone like cal raleigh who you know hits the ball up the middle hit, pulls the ball a lot those guys who stay up the middle more so the guys who tend to hit the ball more on on the pull side of the, the infield naturally it's going to it's going to benefit them a little bit yeah but it, again with saying that it's is it a situation where if you've got a, you know, Jared Kelnick, who mm-hmm. we kept saying, hey, man, can you – that that ball on that side of the plate, can you hit the ball to left field? Is it going to change the way these guys go into an at-bat? Is it going to change the way that, you know, they're at these hitting facilities all off season? You know, J.P. Crawford – down the street here at driveline, a guy like that who hit the ball to the left field so well, is he going into this thinking, all right, now I can make solid contact to right field. I'm not going to be overshifted. So mm-hmm. I, I think that when you look at this, the guys who stay up the middle and pull side, I think it's going to benefit them the most.
1: Yeah, and Kalnick's a name that comes up a lot when, it, when we talk about the shift. And John Morosi, who's on with us every week, talked about, in his opinion, why things could open up for Kalnick. I would be a little bit reluctant to sign someone over the top of Kalnick right now. You've already got a platoon partner in Pollock, who will be able to handle the tough lefties, so you don't have to worry about Kelnick playing against lefties right now. At least as long as AJ is healthy and in the lineup, I think that you you start looking around and how many if if Kelnick can can sort of solidify and really amplify a lot of the adjustments he made late last season with better swing decisions. Remember, he's probably going to get helped by this by the shift and for by the shift not being there. And for someone in Kelnick's case, who is very competitive to say the very least puts a ton of pressure on himself and works incredibly hard a little bit more success will be maybe that mental boost that he needs to relax a little bit so we'll, we'll talk more about Kelnick specifically later but do you buy into what Morosi's saying there yeah as
2: long as Jared Kelnick cuts down the swings and misses above average whiff right against him you know, tons of bad swing decisions in certain counts. That's priority number one. I think for Jared Kelnick, and I agree with with um, you know John Morosi in regards to when he puts balls in play. But he's number one priority right now, first of all, when you talk about getting confidence or or, or you know solidifying what he's doing, what's his approach? That's for me when watching him. He has to have, number one, better swing decisions, and that's going to cut down on the swing and miss rate because it's just too high. When you're a young player and you're questioning, and, and, and especially with him, he had a ton of doubt, obviously, after the last couple of years. When you are swinging at a pitch and you're missing it that you didn't miss in double-A, yeah, it can really mess with your head, and there goes your confidence. So number one priority for him is, is putting bat on ball, making contact more often, and then you can worry about where he's hitting the ball on the field. What do you think
1: about bigger bases? That's the one I'm least – certain about as to what the impact is going to be. You know, because we've talked about, and I'll play this cut from Sam Haggerty here in a minute, but is it going to lead to that many more stolen base attempts? I mean, the pickoff is obviously part of that, but let's just isolate the bigger right. bases. What what, I, what kind of impact do you think that I has? I
2: don't think so. You know, everyone's like, oh, well, the, the distance is shorter. Maybe for the guys who, now, now let's not forget too, when I say maybe for the guys who have speed a part of the game, there's very little guys who their big
1: tool is speed. Like there's very like Sam Haggerty for example yeah okay speed you got three and a half four guys on this Uh, and I say half because I think Kelnick's got good speed I don't think it's great but I think it's it's obviously Sam Haggerty it's Julio it's Dylan Moore yeah and and then I'd throw in Kelnick
2: but in order for when you're talking about making a big you know, change, big difference in guys stealing bags. Well, there's just not a whole lot of everyday players mm-hmm. who are in the lineup and their their game's built on speed. Then you also factor in, all right, is it still, you know, like the front office is looking to say, is it worth stealing a bag? The percentage of getting that second base, does it quantify runs? No, it doesn't. So I don't, when you isolate just the bigger, the ba- bigger bases, I really don't think it's going to make that big of a change
1: when you're talking about stolen base. Uh, you know,
2: um, totals.
1: Well, here, here's Sam Haggerty just talking about how some of the rule changes he thinks could help him. I would say the changes definitely kind of favor a player of, of my type. Uh, but, you know, you don't get too caught
2: up in, in those things. You still try to play your game, uh, focus on the things you can control, and, you know, look for advantages where, where you might be able to find them.
1: So, in, you know, listen, for we we see those moments where it's, you know, we're we're seeing the review of a, of a fingertip touching the bag and the glove mm-hmm. being swiped at that last second. All right, maybe that makes a difference in those sure. scenarios. That's not every stolen base attempt, so you know. And, and maybe they slide to the outside of the bag. You yeah. got a little bit more room now. Yeah, that's the one I look at and go. I, I I feel of all the all of the rules that one will be the least obvious. One hundred percent.
2: Yeah, and well, that one is the least, you know, impactful. Impactful yeah. that you're going to see in, in regards to a change. Guys are just not going to be like, oh wow, the base is bigger now, and I was an okay runner. Now I'm just going to start yeah. taking off. Or, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're not going to see just that where the cameras. Remember, you know, go back to the the early '90s, and you had, or even the '80s, you had some of these teams. Boom, you get that that leadoff hitter or that that. Guy hitting two in the lineup, they get on base. The camera angle is is on the runner because yeah. there is a really strong chance he's going to steal. If he doesn't, it's kind of weird.
1: Yeah, it'd be you know, Ricky that, Henderson or exactly, Kenny Lofton or exactly the, yeah. Th-
2: those guys just don't they don't exist anymore. Yeah, um, and I hope I wish they did. I love I love I love it when you would have a dude get over there at first base and then you know you can see that back and forth that cat and mouse game between him and the pitcher. I mean, even when I pitched, I remember two thousand seven, two thousand eight. You know the 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 Angels who were the mm-hmm. best team in our division. The 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 top two guys in in their lineup. You're like, man, if they get on, all right. Now I have to hold runners. You just don't. It's not a big impact like it was
1: back then. Well, and now you get two pickoff attempts, two disengagements, as they're mm-hmm. calling it, stepping off. You get a third one, but you better get them. That 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 to me,
2: that's I, a big deal. When you're talking about stealing bags and even the shift. Now, when you don't have guys shifting as much and there's more contact, more more, you know balls off the back getting into the outfield and you have to get that extra back because a base hit will score and all these little things but the biggest one for me i'm looking forward to this i'm saying this as a pitcher i love the fact that you get this and i don't know how it's going to play out and you mentioned this at the beginning of the segment we don't quite know we can't really predict how this is going to look but you pick off over two times you kind of hope the crowd gets into it like oh okay boom he can uh, sam haggerty or someone who can run a little bit julio even Get that extra two, three steps, and really you know push that that pitcher, and boom, first move off they go, and they're still in the bag.
1: Yeah, as a pitcher, what do you think that's? Because you can still throw on that third one. You just have you, to get them. You have yeah. to get them. Otherwise, sure. that's where the the penalty comes in. But that's that's a unique thing because I I, I kind of like it. I yeah. like it. I don't know if the numbers correct. I don't know if they should have three, and then on the fourth you got to yeah. get them, or maybe they adjusted. But there there were times, even going back to when you were pitching, where. You'd just be thrown over to first base just over and over and over. You're like, all right, already. You know, guys diving back, clearing clearing the dirt out. and It's just like the crowd's booing. You're
2: just like, okay. I I used to have situations where I was in a 10th spot, runners on first and third, right? And I just kept getting the pick sign because we're trying to get the guy loose in the bullpen who's coming Mm -hmm. in after me because I'm facing a lefty. And I'm telling you, trying to dial in and make a big pitch against some big lefty out of the bullpen, and you have to keep picking over, it would throw I used to hate it. And then yeah. when you're on the road, you're just getting booed, <laughs> showered yeah. with booze. Like, <laughs> I, I, I want to just get like a microphone out there and go, it's not me. It's coming from the dugout. They're calling it, man.
1: I got to throw it. <laughs> Don't hate me. Well, so there's that and then the pitch clock. And as you talked about, you were a fairly quick worker. So maybe this wouldn't have had a big impact on you. But we brought up uh, Diego Castillo. And then here's Paul Sewald talking about his routine and, and how it fits with the pitch clock now.
2: For me, it's something that I'm going to have to work on a lot in spring training because, you know, I was one of the slower ones on our team. Going to have to shave down that time by about six seconds. So I think it's just going to come second nature. I'll just have to fix a little bit of my routine, figure out what's necessary, what's nece- what's not necessary.
1: Me and Cal are going to have to work quick on the pitch call and we'll be fine come game time. But it it is something that I'm probably going to have to work on in spring training games for sure. I didn't realize he was that slow. Yeah. I, Maybe I. Six seconds. That's a that's lot. A lot. And he said he's one of the slower guys. Diego's the guy that I noticed just because he's so goofy with his, you know, adjusting <laughs> yeah. everything, the mitt, the pants, everything. Uh, but yeah, so six seconds, does you're like six seconds. Okay. But that's in that condensed amount of time, that's a lot of time to shave off of what you normally do. There are guys out there now. I mentioned for me personally,
2: I just want to do I just want to get it over with. <laughs> if I was like, you know, facing some dude, I just wanted that that just moment. let the
1: band off. Let's
2: go. Well, yeah, I just like if I'm, I got some where I really have to like execute a slider or something, I'm 50 50. It feels like crap that day or something. <laughs> I'm like, let's just get this over with. I can't keep doing these walks around the, you know, laps around the mound. But some guys, they just, they have to have that time. And like you said, I didn't realize Paul Seward, we're talking six seconds. That's significant. Yeah. It really is. Because yeah and and look, obviously there's the factor in with you know with some of these hitters who like to take their time, have yeah. their routine, step and out, yeah, the, yeah. But from a pitcher standpoint, man, if you are conscious of that clock and you're trying to rush into that next pitch and you make a bad decision where you nod your head because you're like, man, I I'm not quite sure I've got what 3 seconds, boom, okay, yeah. that pitch is good as opposed yeah. to taking your time and really thinking... Shaking off the catcher. Yeah. And, no, this one doesn't feel right. And second-guessing what pitch in in what situation. That's, that's significant. So, like, and you know, we talked about this, too. The bullpen guys, I think they're going to have a way bigger adjustment. And spring, I'll be honest with you. Look, you can say oh, I've got spring training to work on it. Yeah, sure. From a, you know, physical standpoint as far as like oh the pitch clock and seeing it in your view and all this but not when you talk when the lights come on during the season yeah. that's when you're going to see the adjustments april may is going to be there's going to be some guys who it's going to take that much time number one and that environment to really get a feel for it
1: yeah and it, and it feels like you know just even what you're looking at you're so used to just staring at that catcher tunnel vision now you're going to have clocks on either side of right. of you know, behind the catcher and the you know behind everything. So the, as a pitcher, you got a clock on both sides. You're going to be able to see, and the yeah. hitter is going to have a clock on both sides of the batter's eye. So you know your eyes are just going to be trained to look at a different thing now. Then, it's like it's like a
2: bum going to go off or something.
1: The yeah, you're watching go, the countdown. No, yeah. Like, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be odd. But uh, uh, Tom Murphy, we had him on, and he he talked about the pitch clock and feeling like it's a good thing for catchers.
3: I think it's actually a huge benefit on for my job. It allows me to kind of force the issue more than ever because it's going to feel like we're coming at you you know i I think it's a huge benefit towards us and it's going to be wishy-washy early on everybody's got to adjust but once people adjust i think it's going to make for a better
1: game it's interesting Mm -hmm. i mean you hear how everybody's i think it's going to be this i think everybody's kind of guessing everybody's speculating we'll we'll all find out together so to speak but it's interesting to hear the guys that are going to be going through it yeah just sort of speculating because you don't know they haven't done
2: it and tom murphy was a guy i spoke to him on a podcast a while ago and i remember he he was very adamant about all these new rules you know about you know all the so it's interesting hearing him say that, that he
1: likes them or doesn't? no he
2: didn't he he, oh. did, he didn't want these changes especially from a catcher's perspective obviously you know the whole robo-ump thing like you know the yeah. nuances of framing a pitch and we talked about having a pitch clock and all this kind of stuff but he um it's interesting, forcing the issue. Is that forcing the issue on the pitcher making, the, you know, going along with them as to what pitch? Because yeah. you've got to remember there is that interesting uh, relationship you have with certain catches. Some guys behind the plate I just didn't enjoy throwing to because we're always – off you know not on the same page right and so when he says force issues he's talking about his own pitcher, like all right here's the pitch you've got two seconds <laughs> you're on you my can't page. second guess me yeah, exactly <laughs> or is he, talk, is he talking about against the hitter but you know again there's that aspect of it and there's also the hitting aspect i think there's going to be more you know groans and shaking your head from guys in the, in the batter's box more so oh, than the think pitchers. So? i think
1: so yeah. Yeah, yeah i really do all right we'll talk more about this as the show goes on right now let's take two well, a couple days ago, we heard about Jacob DeGrom having to skip his
0: first workout with the Rangers. And now, today, some news from the Astros. Lance McCullers has right arm soreness. Oh, but no. But according to Dusty Baker, it was to be expected. And he said, don't make
1: too big of a deal about it. Wait, Baker was saying it was expected that he yeah. was going to have arm soreness? Mm-hmm. Why? What am I missing? Was is he dealing with an injury, and they knew he was? I don't, that last,
0: last year he had that same kind of what lat injury that last he missed year. A lot of the season,
2: yeah. Last year he had some some you know some significant injury yeah. issues. He's had a history of you know going back and forth off the I. L and, and they did push him hard at the end of last year. I mean, we saw him in that that right that playoff game against us. So yeah, it's an interesting but, comment. But uh, look, the Jacob Degrom look. <laughs> Love watching him pitch. Yeah. But when you break down the last couple of years, the percentage of season time where he's actually on the IL and he's not one of the best players in the game, I get it. It's not good. That's why investing in some of these human beings, especially guys on the mound, no offense to my fellow pitchers, but well, yeah. investing in a human for
1: five-plus years, thats this is what you get. Yeah. it's Pitching is, I mean, it's such a – a tremendous amount of torque on your elbow and shoulder, repeated over and over and over. Oh yeah! It's it's almost it's not if you get hurt, it's when you get hurt, or and, when the arm feels dead, or when it's not if. And you see this, and I don't mean to sound old school here,
2: but you look at Jacob Degrom's frame. When you're moving that quick down the mound, and you see a pat- pattern here. When you're a smaller dude, you're a smaller frame. You're more wiry of the way he is, and you're trying to stabilize the minute that that foot hits the deck and you had all that ground force up the chain not to get all into pitching mechanics here it's tough when you have that like tim lincecum who's yeah. a local guy here pedro martinez same thing you have a major injury or you're going through some some major hiccups from an elbow shoulder and you have that kind of frame tell me right now that's it, there's a pattern there where you really struggle to stay healthy it's the way it goes
0: all right. I expect the same level of insight uh, on this next story, Ryan. Oh, yeah. The, the Kraken. They had five players score, five different players score goals in the 6-2 win over the Flyers last night. And with that win, they jump back into second in the Pacific Division. Just two points behind the Golden Knights. Ryan, go.
2: <laughs> hockey analysis
0: now. Analyze now uh, for the next hour. Actually,
2: <laughs> let's do it for sure. <laughs> Ice hockey the movie Young Blood. Have you anyone have you seen watched,
1: it? <laughs> oh, Just throwing yeah, Rob Lowe, red, oh, Rob what? Lowe, dude. Hey, Patrick Swayze. Oh my goodness! I mean, That's what, what old a, school. Oh, what a, what a movie! So, have you have you watched much of the Kraken? Are you a hockey fan? Are you <laughs> kind of... I thought
2: I was going to dive into it. I don't know if you remember when I prank called you guys. Do you remember that about the the Kraken? You don't remember that? Do I don't you? remember that. Have Hopefully, prank Mike had, called this show. I, I called. I called in. Remember, I, I was being the, the had the thick Aussie accent. I was saying how had a, I was a Kraken hunter. <laughs> when they when they announced the name, no, no, it was your show. They I announced wasn't the name. They not the name.
0: Oh yeah, It's pre pandemic. Pandemic, oh, yeah, you went here. Yeah, yeah, Everything's still a in. blur pre pandemic. Yeah, so it's a whole right. new world. So, what did you call in about? What you say?
2: Well, people were calling in about the name, what they thought about the name. And, yeah. and someone called in. I was with driving around with my daughter, Kennedy, and someone called in about, oh, I've seen a kraken. I've seen him first. <laughs> and so I was like, I called in. I can't remember who picked the phone up and said, hey, I want to like, act like the croc hunter. But <laughs> like in, I, guess I was I was hunting uh, krakens. But anyway, <laughs> crack you guys hunter. fell for it for about two seconds. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> the croc hunter. All right. Take two is brought to you by Swedish Knife. Treat prostate cancer answer with swedish cyber knife swedish.org slash cyber prostate coming up we'll see if any ohio state players would be a good fit for the seahawks team the voice of the uh, ohio state buckeyes paul keels will join us next year it's wyman and bob with ryan roland smith in today this is seattle sports station on 710 wyman and bob powered through the alaska Airlines studio on seattle sports and the seattle, seattle sports. sports app It is Wyman and Bob. We got Ryan Roland Smith in today talking a lot of baseball, but we've been previewing a lot of these prospects coming out of uh, college, some that could fit with what's going on with the Seahawks and their draft. And We get a chance to take a look at some Ohio State players now with the voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. He is Paul Keels. Paul, how are you, man?
3: I'm doing good. How you guys doing?
1: We're doing great. Really appreciate you taking the time to spend a few minutes with us out here. And before we get into particular players uh, that we want to talk about, C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and, and Jigba, I'm curious from your perspective, this is something we always talk about, and I would imagine you've probably been asked about it a million times. What, what is it in your mind that happens to an Ohio State quarterback at the NFL level, that they just for whatever reason they haven't found that superstar yet that's come out of Ohio State?
3: Yeah, you really kind of have to go back to Bobby Hoying as the last one that, that really had any kind of traction in the NFL. I, I'm not sure if it's because you get so many of them that are the multi-threat, just as much run as pass guys. Um, you know, I think really the, the last, you know, Troy Smith was probably a little undersized at the time, although he had a little bit of his moments with the San Francisco 49ers. Really, if you think back, Troy was drafted by Baltimore, and in rookie camp and the summer camp, he's doing really well. And I think it was tonsillitis or something that sidelined him and really kind of got him on a backward path there. Terrell Pryor was was not what was going to be a prototypical passing NFL quarterback, and that's why you saw him transition. You know, I think it, a lot of people were a little bit surprised Joe Germain didn't get more of an opportunity. But right. uh, hard to say exactly what it is. Uh, you know, I think it, had it not been for his untimely passing, maybe we would have seen – Dwayne Haskins in a new atmosphere with Pittsburgh get a little bit of an opportunity but but it's hard to put a finger on it.
1: Yeah, it, it I mean for a school that's as as huge as Ohio State is produce so much great talent in the NFL for whatever reason quarterback over and it's different coaches, it's different eras, it's just so weird that that's happened. And maybe Justin Fields will be the guy that that is going to break that trend. Is it just based on what you've seen from him at the pro level does he does he look like that guy? Did you think him coming out of college, all right, he's going to be the guy that really takes that next step?
3: I think he could be, and especially if he gets more talent around him. You know, he went through the coaching change there in Chicago. Uh, so it, the jury's still out on Justin. He's a guy that really showed in his you know his time at Ohio State that he could be that guy that could make big throws, that could hurt teams running the football. I think what's, what's happened with the Bears, it's been more of his running ability that's gotten noticed. But he could be that guy. A lot of it just depends on what kind of talent gets put around him, I think.
1: What about C.J. Stroud? He's a guy coming out this year expected to be a top-five pick, one of the first quarterbacks taken, if not the first. Is he the guy? Do you have more faith in what he could be at the next level? Or give us give us a scouting report on C.J. Stroud.
3: I think there's a lot of reason to have faith in what he could do. When you consider uh, this guy, when he became the starter, uh, he had one year a little bit as a backup to Justin Fields, and in his one year as a backup, he never even attempted a pass. He just came in and was handing off. He had one rushing touchdown during that time. But, you know, when he got going, and especially, you know, his first year as a starter, he missed a game to allow a little bit of a shoulder problem to get right. And when he came back after that, he just took off and played, uh, you know, like like the kind of all-conference and award-winning quarterback that, that he was recognized for. A guy that could make the intermediate throws, a guy that, you know, really could make the deep throws as well. But more than anything... A guy that benefited, and and not to take away from any of his skills, but benefited from having great receivers around him, a good running attack, uh, quality offensive lineman, and a tight end threat as well. So what we saw from his first year as a starter to last year really kind of continued his evolution as a quarterback. And then the thing you didn't see but showed up in the national semifinal game against Georgia was the ability to run. It was something, whether he was reluctant to do it, the coaches were reluctant to expose him. Uh, You saw him late in that Georgia game, show the ability to make big plays with his feet. And a guy that that really seems to have a good, has had a good connection with his coaches at Ohio State, namely Ryan Day. So he certainly looks like a guy that could have the opportunity to, to have some success at the next level, given Wherever he ends up, what's around him, and you know how much is thrown at him right away.
1: Yeah, I mean the situation they land in is is obviously huge for any player. But if you in in looking at his skill set, what's the area you look at and say, all right, if he's going to be that guy that becomes a star at the next level, this part of his game needs to really be picked up.
3: What probably is showing that he can create a little bit of a threat to run because there wasn't much of that for most of his career. From the passing standpoint, you know, his accuracy was spot on. His ability to, you know, check off and go to one receiver to another receiver. And I think a lot of that had to do with the, the talented receivers he had around him at Ohio State, including tight ends. Uh, but but probably if there's anything that people might want to scrutinize, and, and it's really splitting hairs, can he be a guy that can pick up tough yards on the ground when you might really need him to do it? Because it was something he didn't really have to do much at Ohio State.
1: How does he and I don't know how much time you spent watching the other quarterbacks that, you know, whether it's Will Levis or or anybody else. Do you do you look at C.J. Stroud as being equal to better than uh, do you do you have much in the way of an opinion on these other quarterbacks that are expected to go in the top five?
3: I would say equal to you know certainly Bryce Young is a guy that you know stands where he does and and probably is a guy that people would rate a little bit higher given what the success that Alabama had and his talents as well. But you know Will Levis we saw only a little bit in the Big Ten when he was a backup at Penn State didn't really get a chance to watch him much in Kentucky. But you know I think C.J. Stroud certainly is a guy that 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 has to rank up there amongst the tops of the quarterback crop coming out. And and the other thing I think that will really help him in this process is such a classy young man, such a quality guy, uh, very humble, very team oriented and you know how now with the way the process goes with evaluating these college players, their personality becomes part of the decision process and I think that's what's going to help him at least get uh, additional consideration, as well as what he does with his football talents.
1: You know, Paul, we've been looking at a you know, ton of mock drafts, and they're all different. and And that's part of the fun is just looking at what everybody thinks each team is gonna do or what they should do. Uh, Seahawks have a pick at number five. They've also got a pick at number twenty. And a couple a couple of these mock drafts have them going with a wide receiver out of Ohio State, Jackson Smith and Jigba, which. Would be counterintuitive because they've got pressing needs on defense. <laughs> Their biggest liabilities are <laughs> on, on the defensive side of things. But a couple of mocked mocked and Jigba to the Seahawks, and then we, you know, just reading about him and the, all the talent that he has, but not available. He had some injury uh, concerns last year. Give, give us a scouting report on him.
3: Yeah, That's going to be the biggest question, because he essentially didn't play last season. He got hurt in the opening game against Notre Dame, attempted to come back, but never could quite do it. And, you know, probably in hindsight, it was the best thing that he didn't play to not ruin any kind of projection that he might have. But based on what we saw in the previous year, especially the Rose Bowl game he had against Utah, and again, that's pairing him with C.J. Stroud, uh, certainly a game-changing type of wide receiver, a guy that that really created headaches for opposing defensive coordinators. But, you know, in both cases, with both C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba, What you had, and especially in Jackson's case two years ago, you also had Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson as part of that passing offense. And, you know, if you're a defensive coaching staff, it's almost like pick your poison when it comes to pass defense. But Jackson Smith and Jigba certainly showed, even when he first started playing. I remember this first game he played at Ohio State. uh, It was the pandemic year. They opened uh, in the abbreviated season later than normal at home against Nebraska, and he made a touchdown catch with a toe tap on the back line of the end zone that was just a thing of beauty to watch and and the kind of play that not many football players can make. So he's a guy, if healthy and when healthy, he can be a game-changing type of wide receiver.
1: Paul, you ever do any voiceover work?
3: A little bit, not as much as I'd like to, but every every now and then I get the chance to do something.
1: You make me feel like I've got a squeaky voice. So, uh, oh, yeah. oh, stop, stop, and, stop, so, guys, nice of you to say, though. Nice pipes there, man. Hey, Paul, in, in all sincerity, we really appreciate you taking some time with us, giving us a little preview on these guys, and looking forward to the draft and seeing, you know, where, where these guys land and, and what they look like at the next level. So, thank you very much for taking the
3: time. My pleasure. Glad to do it.
1: There you go. There's Paul Keel's voice of Ohio State. What a voice, huh? Boy, dude's got some Epic. pipes. Love it. Jeez. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm, well, so, Paul, I'd like to ask you another question about uh, C.J. Stroud. I feel like I've got this little nasally voice compared to him.
2: Yeah, he's just waiting for him to break out the, in, in, in a world. Like yeah, this yeah, yeah. something He's the yeah. movie
1: trailer guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In a world. All right. Coming up, we'll see if anything's bugging Ryan when we get to what's bugging Bob. That's coming up next. It is Wyman and Bob with Ryan Roland-Smith in today. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. What's bugging Bob? It could be traffic. Hey, 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 hey. It might be Angels fans. I hate you. I hate you. I don't even know you. And it's definitely Stephen A. Smith. I got a lot of problems with you people. It's time to find out what's bugging Bob. A lot of people love this stuff. A lot of people love just railing against the injustice of it all, Ryan. We got Ryan Roland Smith in with us today in case you're just tuning in. Uh, This is the uh, if you're new to the program, this is where we will voice our our displeasure with whatever's going on, whatever's going on in the world that drives us crazy, whether it's something out in traffic, something in a restaurant or on TV. But you brought up something today that was that was pretty interesting. By the way, I got to tell you, right before I thought
2: you do. By the
1: way, <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. We're, we we're, we're in a separate room from the producer. You have to walk through a heavy glass door to get into the producer booth. You push the door in to get in there, which means to come back, you have to pull the door to get back into this room. And Ryan and I start coming back in. Leftco goes thirty seconds, so we start coming back in. Ryan's trying to push the door to get in the studio and then he turns around and sheepishly looks at me like you were looking like that. i'm like yeah it's, it's a pull it's a, i literally pull it. i literally just walked through the
2: door by the way just to paint the picture i was kind of you know those old sitcoms how like the door would swing both ways yeah yeah that's my excuse i thought it was yeah. like a double yeah what did we work with here now that was brutal it's one of those moments where you're doing it and you look around like. Can anyone see me right now? Or turn is right around, look right
1: at me. <laughs> He's all sheepish. like You're oh, staring you're all through staring me. At me. Go, it's, a, it's a pull. Is He's got a backwards pull. in Australia?
0: Maybe you can do it. Yeah.
1: There yeah. you go. Yeah, thanks. There you yeah, go. Yeah, That's yeah. The exactly. There you go. Oh, so that was a golden moment. But you were talking about something today that I think is pretty interesting when it comes to baseball viewing for, what, 15 markets in baseball, is it? Yeah. Yep.
2: Regional sports networks, Bally's, they're having some issues. Uh, some you know so we've seen this. Rob Manfred talked about how they're, they're struggling a little bit, and he talked about what the plan was going to be. So if you're a baseball fan, and this this again this bugs you more than it does me, right? In regards to you get so you know dialed into flicking on the you know the exact channel on your cable box yeah. to watch your root sports, whatever. But now all of a sudden, because you've got these streaming networks, whether it be Apple TV or you know Peacock or some of these other ones, now all of a sudden these 15 regional sports networks, if MLB is going to take control of these, the, you know, these regions, these because Bally's, Bally's r- has got financial issues. Yes. Yes. Well, all of a sudden I'm assuming it's all going to go through MLB TV, which I don't know how you feel about
1: that, Bob, there's it's an app. It's an app. So if you're in the, and which market do you know off the top of your head, which markets, oh, you've some got, of them,
2: you've got the, you know, and some big ones too. You've got the Cardinals, you know, the Padres who now have a huge fan base, um, you've got, you know, the Royals, you've got the, the Miami Marlins. I mean, there's half yeah. the league. So, valleys.
1: If, so if you're a fan of one of those teams, instead of flipping your TV on to their version of root sports, you're going to have to load the app.
2: That's right.
1: You're going to have to load the app. And, and unless you're somebody who's in favor of just sitting there static and never changing that channel from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. Yeah. It's going to be a pain in the butt because it's not efficient. It's not easier. This is where Ryan they'll go. Yeah, Bob. You know you're 34 years old now, so now you're an old man. Uh, but uh, that that this is old man legal. Like mm-hmm. I hate the apps because it, it technology is supposed to make things quicker, faster, yeah. easier. And what I like to do is I'm watching a Mar- Mariner game. Goes to commercial or something. Okay, I'm going to flip over to this game and see what's going on in this game for a couple minutes. Then yeah. I'll flip back to the Mariners when the ending starts again. You can't You can do it, but it's cumbersome. You got to log out of the app, you go to cable, you're watching this yeah. game, then you got to log back in. It's not more efficient. It's not quicker. It's not right. easier.
2: Yeah, especially, I mean, if you're watching, if you have Roku or something like that, and you were trying to watch, you know, a movie or, or a show or whatever, and you got to get back in and out. The one thing that I, I, I still it drives me nuts, and again, I'm not you know, hitting hitting MLB with this, but on the app, I don't know if anyone else deals with this. And you can text in if you have had these issues. If I'm behind in the game, or if I have to pause the game, or something like that, which is yeah. nice to do, and you can do that on Root Sports, but on, on the on the app. Sometimes it gets stuck on the, the commercial just keeps playing, and you can't get through the commercial because, of course, they have to show you the commercial. So oh. they think that you're trying to skim through the commercials when you're not. So I get stuck on
3: these commercials.
2: <laughs> so I have to get out of the app. I have to reset it. I mean, again, if anyone wants to chime in here, if they've had to deal with that, it drives me bonkers.
1: Well, no, when, no, no. when we've talked about apps and all these things, people will text in like, oh, you guys are just old men, and this is the way of the future. I'm like, that's great. I can embrace all of that yeah. because – Again, technology, the goal of technology and advancement is to make things easier, mm. better, quicker, more efficient. And this doesn't. Nah. It just doesn't. I'm sorry for somebody unless you're somebody who again will watch something just beginning to end and yeah. you never flip the channel, okay, no problem. Right. But I'm somebody who when that commercial hits, I'm gonna see what's going on in the other game. Right. Oh, the the, sure, the yeah. Padres and the Braves are playing. Let me see what Machado or Tatis are doing. Let me see if they're up. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm that guy who will bounce around and then go back to the Mariner game. With apps. Press the recall button. Yeah, it's one button. Boom. That's easy. That's efficient. Now, we've got one more too I do want to dive
2: into because you did remind me right before we started the show and- Again, I really want to dive into this, but you decide to rip me about the door. That's fine. <laughs> Some things that you've discussed—it drives me nuts as well. And there's there's the pinnacle of these little abbreviations. Oh, I had now, now give us first of all, you can give us the now it's baseball season. Yeah. You're going to hear this. Yeah. What are they? G- give me your, your favorites, <sighs> and I'm going to give you the one that just—I want to throw my TV across the room when
1: I hear it. Uh, the, the new lingo, <laughs> the new way of saying earned runs or punch outs, or it's Ernie's. It's it's punchies, it's it, uh, it's so cute. It's so it, it, he had three earnings in this game. He had four punchies. What are you doing? Stop yeah, saying it's, that stuff. I, I'm with you. Knock like, it off. I,
2: I like to you know. Obviously, I have some different slang or lingo, whatever, from another country or a different accent, whatever. But that you guys brought that up to me. I was driving along and I call in every Monday, yeah. which I will in this year as well, and we have a good time on the chat. But you guys brought that up, and I was just like. Oh yeah, great! I'm so happy that you guys felt that way about it. But the king, the one that just again just gets me, puts me over the limit, is when you hear the, you know, he had a good day, two for three with a couple steaks. Couple, I've never heard that. Look at a couple of steaks, <laughs> ribeyes, RBIs. Eyes. Oh. I'm like, please don't, please don't. When that drives that- me nuts. And, and so I'm not looking forward to. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call anyone out. Brad Adam, but he, oh, he but he, he is guilty of it. I actually texted him before I came in and said, hey, do you still refer to ribeyes, RBIs what, as stakes? And I had to tee him up. I haven't gotten a text back probably because he knows I'm coming in here to well, throw I, him
1: under the bus. I, I did have to throw him under the bus because, A, he's one of my favorite people. I love Brad. He's the best. He's, he's such a sweetheart of a guy. He's but the best. he's guilty of the Ernie Punchy <laughs> lingo because I saw him doing it and I almost wanted to text you and go, Ryan, please tell him to stop. you got to tell him to stop that. But stakes? Is that new? Is that is that something that's oh, been around, around for a while? I've never heard it. <laughs> Stakes, <laughs> even amongst the the play
2: amongst you know, amongst the players as well. Like, oh, yeah, hey, I had a couple stakes. I'm like, don't you dare. Come on. Let's go. But the, <laughs> the, 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 the 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 ribbies or the earnies or the punches, it's kind of like that. Like, you know, if, if Lennox, who's four, he's about to start playing T ball. If yeah. he, you know, hits some, you know, the, the ball off the tee and it rattles into the outfield, and then the guy comes in, hey, you got a ribby. Good yeah. job. You got a little ribby because he's yeah. four. Fair yeah. enough. He's a little kid. That <laughs> makes sense. We're talking Major League Baseball here. <laughs> don't start dropping it on the air. A couple so. of stakes. <laughs> Don't you? Ugh. I'm gonna. By the way, at three, when I I think it's three o'clock on Mondays, unless I've been yeah boosted to a, another hour or something <laughs> like that, being pushed to another hour. But I might have to drop that on you. And am I? Might actually, no, don't. Dave Wyman's on uh, <laughs> on vacation right now. I might have to
1: drop that on him. See on, what he when, does. in April. He'll look right at me. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly as soon as you say it, he's gonna. He'll be looking down and look at me. And go. <laughs> that's what he's gonna do. I'm telling you, it'll be that. Did you hear that? Did you hear what he said? <laughs> Stakes. Ugh. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right. Coming up, we'll keep the baseball conversation going with our Mariner insider, Shannon Dreyer. She'll join us next here. It's Wyman and Bob with Ryan Roland-Smith in for Dave Wyman. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.